Hi, podcast listeners. It's Samir again. Today, we're bringing you our second part of our interview with Jonathan Reichenthal, and it picks up from yesterday's first part of the interview, which you can grab on our podcast feed, either at iTunes, on Stitcher, or on SoundCloud. If you haven't heard the first part, I recommend you check it out now, and we're going to jump right into the second part of the interview with Jonathan Reichenthal. Thanks. Enjoy. We have we had a, a, um, a city council who wanted to see change, and they gave me that mandate. So th- that's an important part of it is 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 that the leadership are bought into this. By the way, you can apply that in any sector. You know, if, if leadership are not on board an initiative, it's it, you're already on a trajectory to failure. Um, so you better make sure that you know you've got executive sponsorship that are fully committed and passionate about what you're doing. And I had that here, and I had that in the city council, and I have it in the in the city manager ongoing. Um, so, so that helps a lot. Uh, I think the other component is is building credibility, is demonstrating you can actually do it. Um, you know, one, I'll tell a quick story of uh, one of the issues I had to deal with when I first sent, came to the city. There was on the books a project to replace our analog telephone system with a with a voice over IP telephone system. And when, when I was even going through the interview process, a couple of people brought it to my attention as I was talking about my bold vision for, for government. And they said, well, Jonathan, we need new telephones. <laughs> We're making it real for me. And I, I thought to myself going out of those interviews, if, if I can't get the city uh, from their old telephone system onto a new telephone system, they won't let me do anything. Because <laughs> that was sort of like, yeah, exactly. That was like, uh, a, you know, a, a basic credibility building exercise. So I put a lot of energy into that and people were skeptical uh, uh, all along the way. They were, I, I would come and say, we've made the telephone selection. And then I would come back to the, to the, to our leadership team. And I'd say, we've just installed all the cabling in our city, keeping them really apprised until the point which the phones were rolled out and there was a dial tone and we had voice over IP. And, you know, I would say this to any CIO or technology leader is find the project where where you can prove your credibility, and it'll, it'll give you leverage as you go forward. Uh, so for me, it was the telephone project. And I got that, we got that done with working with a great um, external partners with my team. Um, and I think ever since then, things I've asked for, it, it's been a little easier because they saw that we could do the big complicated thing. And so uh, I gave them confidence. And that's an important, I think, lesson for any leader. That's a that's great. I I like that. Not just did you demonstrate your credibility, but you had that leadership that was willing to to wait until you could, right? And 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 it, it from what you're saying, it looks like the leaders in in the city really buy into the idea of civic innovation and letting kind of citizens, innovators, entrepreneurs, uh, organizations make the city a better place, and not just the government doing it all. How, how do you embed that ethos into into the work that you do, kind of the the civic innovation ethos? And can you share any examples of how civic innovation is flourishing in Palo Alto? Sure, you'd love to. Um, well, yeah, I'll share a little story from just last week. I, I was giving um, an update to our city council at a public meeting um, on, our, on our IT strategy. And, you know, we, I wanted to tell a very positive, upbeat story. And, and so you can, by the way, you can see it. It's on YouTube and it's on our city website too if you want to uh, check that out. And so I wanted to say all the cool things we're doing, you know, celebrate our successes. And after, you'll see after I kind of finish, it's about a 30-minute presentation. Uh, many of the council members are very, very um, uh, supportive and they say some very nice things. Uh, but they also criticize me. They say, Jonathan, 
and you're not telling enough people about what you're doing. And it's a funny sort of like mixed compliment, it's a criticism and a compliment at the same time. Um, you know, so, so there is great support, but there also is a desire to know about all these great things and to share them with the most amount of people in our community. Um, it's one thing to sort of have a series of you know, civic apps. It's another thing for people to use them and embrace them and see the value of them. So that's an important uh, part of this, this, this journey. So I have this support. The city supports this, and they just want us to, to be more visible in, in how we talk about it. Um, you know, there, there, to your second part of your question, there are um, uh, kind of a series of things that we've done that are uh, both kind of interesting and, and, and notable uh, for a city of our size. And remember, Palo Alto, I mean, we're a small city. This isn't, we're not San Francisco or New York City. Um, so we're doing kind of interesting things for a city that's, uh, you know, a little less than 100,000 people. Um, so I, I think one of the things I love to talk about and, and people still remember is we had a hackathon in June 2013. It coincided with the National Day Civic Hacking. And, and lots of cities around the U.S. Uh, uh, participated in this. And we, we, we thought we'd do something a little differently. We effectively shut down downtown and we invited everybody to come. And it wasn't just going to be about writing code. This was going to be about, um, in fact, the tagline was uh, come to inspire and be inspired. This was to begin the discussion about civic innovation. It was a recognition that for the most part, most of the community don't know that term, don't know what it means and don't know the value of it. So we wanted to to have a celebration and kind of kick it off. It was a big thing. So we did some coding, sure, but that was like a small part of it. We did talks. We had our own sort of TEDx outdoors. We had dancers. We had a whole uh, um, a maker area so kids were could build things. And, and uh, we had uh, uh, deep sessions that were in uh, private businesses that had opened their doors where people could go in and talk about you know, the, the needs of, of healthcare and communities and the needs of transportation and energy. And uh, about 5,000 people turned up, by the way. Uh, it, oh, was, wow. it was a tremendous day. And it was really kind of a kickoff to, to everything we've done done since. So when we did the, the Palo Alto Apps Challenge the following year, uh, people already knew what what is this craziness that we're talking about? You know, what is this kind of public-private partnership around innovating and thinking about solutions for for the future of our cities. So we, we, we like to talk about that. And I think it was a very important uh, event for us. And actually, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that because while well, you mentioned you had 5,000 people at your um, hackathon or your civic engagement event, how many people live in Palo Alto out of curiosity? Our numbers around people who actually sleep here is about 67,000. Okay. And it grows every day, it doubles because of the workers and various folks who come in. So it gets up to about 140,000. So my question for you, and one of the conversations that we're seeing pop up here and there, is not so much about getting more data sets or changing the culture internally within the bureaucracy, but about capacity building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a few things that I'm trying to do, Samir's trying to do that, you know, in Canada, we're trying to do in general. Is there anything particularly that Palo Alto, whether it's in the, with the educational system, like within the schools themselves, or in other ways to build that capacity for open data and open government in general? Well, you know, it's fair to say it doesn't matter about the size that we, every community has amazing uh, um, has an amazing appetite for this and, and their needs. 
Um, you know, we, we uh, here on the weekend, we just had our council uh, priority setting and they had to pick sort of four major priorities. Um, it's, it's a very painful exercise because there's, there's lots and lots of things we can do. Um, so I think, you know, we have to uh, recognize the, the answer to this is going to be um, in the context of we can only do so much and we have to be very laser focused on the things we do. So whilst I'd love to go to the schools and have my team come with me and, and do sort, you know, all sorts of education activities, we, we, we assume there's certain things we just can't get to. Um, and, we, and you really, you look at the things you'd like to do and you look at the things, well, what will have the highest impact for the amount of energy you expend? Um, and that's really, you know, how we, how we operate. Um, you know, one of the things that we are very clear about and I think is reflected in, our, in some of our successes is we as city workers, I'm talking about when I say we, uh, we are going to be very open to anyone who wants to come in and propose an idea and in some respect within sort of certain legal boundaries uh, co-create with us. Uh, that, you know, it's not difficult to to engage with us. And I think if you, if you kind of go around the country, and I imagine Canada is similar to this, uh, people find it hard to engage with government. The, 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 the entry um, barriers are high. They, they're intimidated, perhaps, or people don't return phone calls or emails, uh, or, or uh, it's hard to get appointments. We, governments make it hard sometimes for community. They're, the community is there willing and excited and prepared to do something, um, and, and they don't necessarily have a, an equal and willing partner. So here in Palo Alto, one of the things we do is we, we sort of, there's really no, end, there's no barrier. You know, we, somebody calls me up or sends me an email and, um, you know, provided it's not crazy <laughs> or it's not a crazy person, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say, let's find 30 minutes. Let's grab a cup of coffee. I want to hear your idea. Maybe I can connect you with the right people. Um, maybe I can connect you with the right data because, you know, if you're a software developer or an entrepreneur and innovator and just like. You guys are absolutely fall into several of those categories. Uh, what's interesting to you is is really interesting, rich data that you can take and and do amazing things with. Uh, either create new value, new apps, create new businesses, solve complex problems. You know, uh, we we uh, we have Stanford University here, not not an insignificant institution, uh, and they love data because it adds to their research. And academics want to want to get a hold of it. So we want to create the environment. And circumstances where uh, we are open and able to connect with people and we can share that data as they need it, make it real easy for people to access the data they need to solve problems. And I think sort of in that capacity, that convening capacity, and we, 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 can, make, we can make things happen. We're really excited that you actually answered our email and are taking a few minutes to talk to us, actually. And, I mean, we could we could talk for hours, but, but I think in the interest of time, we're getting close to wrapping up. So just to, just to seal it off, if there was one piece of advice you'd give to a city worker in another city that's listening to this, because you've been you know sharing such great uh, examples and stories and anecdotes, what would that one piece of be, advice be? One, the one thing they should focus on, one thing they should do, the one thing they should look at in, in order to start doing these kinds of things in their own city? Yeah, wow. What what uh, what a big question to answer here at the end of this conversation. <laughs> we like to, like to give you a soft landing there, right? <laughs> so. Well, it, it's such a big question that I'm, I'm trying to find uh, kind of a nice angle to give you something of value. 
Um, I, I think that one of the things we have to deal with is um, sort of the the existing, let's call it a retiring generation of government workers and, and the up-and-coming uh, government workers and then those that want to or would be interested in entering government work. And I think these are three different categories of people, and they're all going to deal with this question a little differently. Um, you know, w- one of the things that I've enjoyed with the work here is um, clearly the successes and the value it brings and seeing the re- results. It's wonderful to, to drive home and see people in a park use Wi-Fi that I had something to do with, you know, and, 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 and all that comes with that. Um, so part of it is, you know, realizing that you can make a real difference to, to the community you're part of and, and reminding yourself of that. Now, if you're one year out from retirement, um, I, I don't know how much advice I have for you. It's like enjoy the time you have left. You know, if, you, if you're mid-career, though, now's the time to say, you know, uh, what ways can I look at uh, some of the emerging uh, trends and technologies and begin to embrace those and, and make a much broader contribution than perhaps the one I'm making? Uh, one of the observations I make, having come in from the private sector, is public sector work is, is a labor of love. It, it, you can't. I couldn't think of this as a job that I just kind of clocked in in the morning and clocked out at night. I got to come here and really believe in it and be excited by the things we're doing. I mean, I can't wait to come to work every morning. And, you know, I'd I'd ask, I'd I'd plead with existing sort of mid-career technology leaders and others or innovators in government to sort of find that, find that again, you know, find out why you may not have it and find out where it is within you. And if you've never had it, figure out potentially how you could, how you could get it back. What do you need? To, uh, to, to get that spark and, and, and really drive the agenda forward. And the last category is either folks beginning or considering entering public service. I mean, we need a whole different, uh, we, we need a, a much broader diversity of people who traditionally think of moving into uh, to the public sector. Um, and the one important thing that is seldom considered is you don't need to come into the public service for, for your whole career. You don't need to come in on day one and say, I'm going to be here for 30 years. I mean, you could you could maybe take that angle. Come in for three years or five years, make a real difference, and then go off and do something else. So if you're really smart, you've got great ideas, it's a great place to come, share ideas, and actually get results relative to other other industries. So maybe bigger than you thought in terms of the answer, but you know, I, I hate to kind of group everybody into one category. So that's at least three categories. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was uh, terrific. And, and I loved how you talked about, you know, one of the, the priorities for the city of Palo Alto is to make it easier for people to engage with the city by providing many different entry points with many different answers. Once again, it's, it might be a contact or it might be a data set or it might be a coffee conversation, right? Just to give right. perspective. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us today. And, and, and helping us with the Open Government Podcast and more specifically, uh, practicing what you preach. You know, you, you made time for us today. You made time for us today and it's appreciated. So thank you. Thank you, Richard. And uh, thank you very much, Samir. Thank you very much. And that was Jonathan Reichenthal from Palo Alto, California on the Open Government Podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach Jonathan on Twitter at Reichenthal. That's R-E-I-C-H-E-N-T-A-L or on his website at Reichenthal.com. And, of course, you can always send us questions on our hashtag at OGTPod. We'd like to thank Keith McDonald, Cheryl's Crush, for providing the intro and outro music for the podcast.
So until next time, I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasa. Thanks for listening to the Open Government Podcast. And we'll be back very soon with our next interview with someone in the open government community. Thank you.